Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. You know, it's hard enough to win in the National Hockey League with no distractions, no noise, um, and a healthy group, you know, let alone, um, you know, all the distractions that go with the testing and with the last-minute pullouts and everything. I'm not making an excuse. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a National Hockey League. We got we to gotta try and find ways to win, but, um, you know, today was a tough one for us. All right, since we last spoke, the Sens went one and two over the three games since our last episode, and they continue to be crushed by COVID. Sens fall 2-0 to L.A. They beat Pittsburgh 6-3, and then on Sunday get trampled by Calgary 4 nothing. so we'll get into all of it. Drake Batherson in the news in a bad way. Shane Pinto, same deal. So loads to get to today here on the Sens Nation podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Steve Warren, along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? I'm a little tired, Stevie. It was a two-game road trip to uh, lovely northern British Columbia. I got in about 6 a.m. this morning and didn't get much sleep, but but I'm here. I set my alarm and watched the game, and I even took some copious notes. I'm ready to go, buddy. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And for those who are uh, new to the program, Greg is the uh, head coach and GM of the Slave Lake Alberta Ice Dogs, and uh, they had a trip to BC, and I, I don't know if you were talking to me off the air I'm not sure I've seen a junior hockey game end in that fashion. A 7-7 draw at the end of regulation, and what happened? <laughs> the men's league was coming on at 11, Steve. We had to get off the ice, if you can believe it. <laughs> I mean, like, what? Wow. what is this? You know, it was it was a case of uh, we were – the bus was late picking us up, so we were late getting there, so we started late. And wow. uh, then suddenly they scored at the buzzer for a 7-7 tie and uh, it got silly after that but we ended up the next day on Saturday of course we played game two of our little trip out there and we after the warm-up we had a flood and came out and played played five minutes of OT and won in a shootout so it turned out okay we won the game anyway well that's good yeah that's sort of the theme of the day silly hockey right now and that's what's that's what the Ottawa Senators have unraveled uh, into uh, through no fault of their own at least I don't think and I mean, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe there was a big team party. I have no idea. But this COVID thing is is just ridiculous. You know, you finally have a guy like Drake Batherson who's just lighting it up this year. He had a four-point game and a 6-3 one over the Penguins. And prior to the game, there was talk that he had tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. And then later in the day, no, nope, wait, no, nope, wait. He's tested negative. Oh, good. He's going to play tonight. And he got four points. And then this morning, Drake Batherson, oh, he's tested negative now, and he has to go into quarantine or isolation for the next 10 days, not available to the Ottawa Senators. Like, I don't know, man. This is, so they have 10 guys on the list now, so Batherson's the latest. Zaitsev went on and off the same way Batherson did. Uh, it kind of makes me scratch my head. It kind of makes me distrust the system. But anyway, whatever. Um, then you got Matt Murray, Connor Brown, Nick Holden, Austin Watson, Josh Brown, Victor Mete, Dylan Gambrell, and Alex Formanton. And you got Eric Brandstrom on the DL as well with a broken hand. That happened, uh, I guess the after that uh, that Thursday game, I think it was. Anyway, it's just it's just a gong show right now between <laughs> injuries and uh, and Shane Pinto getting hurt. Now he somehow injured his shoulder on a on, on a draw. Well, standing so let's begin there. With, 
<laughs> yeah. Let's begin with the COVID factor. I think that's uh, the, cause there's lots there. I've, I've given us lots to unpack, but uh, do you think they should have canceled these games with the Sens? I mean, 10 guys dealing with COVID between public health and just a reasonable competitive balance. Should they have canceled these last three games? You'd like to think they would have, Steve, but I, I understand why. Like, I get it. L.A. doesn't come east very often, so that's why they didn't cancel that game. But Calgary, like, we flew, we watched teams fly back and forth all across Canada all last year, so the Calgary game could have been rescheduled at some point, some way, somehow. Um, L.A., yeah, I think it should have been, but I understand why it wasn't. So once you make that decision that we're not going to cancel this one, I mean, now we're at the stage where I think there's only nine healthy bodies in Belleville, for God's sake. It's just something's got to change. Something's got to give here one way or the other. Yeah, I've been playing uh, beer league hockey for uh, <laughs> most of the fall here, and I'm wondering, uh, maybe there's a spot for me in Belleville, you know, if I really <laughs> amp up the training. But no, in seriousness, they're, they're, they're signing guys like almost off the street, guys with way better resumes than me, of course. But, uh, I mean, they're just basically, you know, trying to, piece together a roster but uh i don't know would they would the nhl have acted maybe and uh and cancel these three games if this was not the ottawa senators like if this is the new york rangers for example would they have yeah. given them maybe a bit of a boost and said hey shut her down get your act together and let's see in 10 days yeah well the thing is like with each passing day with each new number that gets added to the list you're left to wonder okay what is the number how many players do i have to have out before you're going to cancel. We know it's not seven, We or sorry, six it was the one game when we first started with this, right? We know mm -hmm. it's not seven. We know it's not eight with each passing day. Now it's up to nine. Apparently it's not nine either. So if they get a 10th guy, well, then maybe we'll be able to cancel something. I don't know that there's anything even written down anywhere. You got to assume they'd have a policy, but I, I don't know what that policy is. All I know is it's not nine. And it's a 10 now, so... Uh, oh, it's, it's 10 now. Not, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a 10 now. I mean, it's just, uh, I, it, it's all very confusing. I think for the average sense fan too, because we, we these, these guys are all double vaccinated. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, and everyone on the other team is double vaccinated. You could be carrying it, but we'll let you play in the meantime. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, are you not scratching your head at, at the way these things are going down? You've got COVID. You don't have COVID. No, you do have COVID. You're going to sit for 10. How do we know that Drake Batherson doesn't spin the wheel of COVID tomorrow and lands on negative? Yeah. Like, well, I, I know from personal experience, we played here last year. Uh, we got back on the ice in, in April, and we were tested every week. These guys are tested every day. Uh, it's right. crazy. I mean, e even this year, I've got players who still haven't got their second shot yet because the window's so small, you got to wait after your first one. So we're still testing players here. And I had a kid come back positive, I mean, positive as in he's got COVID. And we're like, like, how do you feel? Oh, I feel fine. Nothing wrong with me at all. And then I'll tell you, two days later, he was down and out and he was out for a week. So right. I haven't had experience with a false negative or a false positive for that matter, but I've had experience with the testing and how irritating it could be and constantly having to do it. And I could just imagine these, these people running through it every day. It's, have you ever been tested, Steve? I've not been tested. No. Oh, it's, they either do the If they give you the option, I think you should go with the nose one, the throat really? one, you're ready to dry heave like immediately. 
the nose one, man, I swear they were up there into my forehead, but, uh, but the, <laughs> no, the nose one's the better one of the two. But uh, I, can, I can understand what they're going through having to do this, but what I don't get is these false positives or false negatives. or Like, it's a test. Give the guy the test. And if he comes back as he's got COVID, then give him another one immediately. You know, why not? Because they are rapid test. You get your results within 22 minutes or something. So, okay, oh, wait a minute. He's got COVID. Let's give him another one right now. It seems that they wait 24 hours and then come back with, oh, wait a minute. It must have been a false. Once you're in the protocol officially, though, I guess, you're supposed to, I guess, be out of the mix for 10 days before they clear you to play again. Um, It's a bit vague. I was looking through the NHL.com rules on it. And uh, I basically fell over sideways and uh, took a nap. Uh, pretty dry stuff, but that seems to be the gist of it. You're in, once you're in the protocol, you're supposed to be there in there for 10 days, even though I think Zaitsev was announced by the team to be in the protocol yesterday and then uh, and then came out and then went back in. I don't know. It's yeah. I put it out there for questions today because I said after the game today, uh, as we record this here on a Sunday, uh, if you've got anything you'd like us to tackle as far as a sense issue or a question, and somebody hit me with a question of, can we get the club or a virologist to explain how COVID is actually ravaging this team way more than any other club in the league, especially when all players and staff have been fully vaccinated? And that would be a good question to put to uh, to someone in the medical field, because I don't have an answer for that exactly. Like, you know, one of the things the vaccine being double vaccinated and every Ottawa senator is is supposed to do is to make you less susceptible to having this virus. And yet, like the like Robert Mannion, who's the one who uh, sent along that tweet, like he said, it's it's actually ravaging this team right now. Uh, any thought on that? Yeah, I, I saw that tweet too, and it makes you wonder, right? Like, I'm double vaccinated. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you are. Uh, like, like all, all they told me yep. was, you won't get it, but if you do, the symptoms will be far less than if you weren't vaccinated. <sighs> okay, fine. But I can still, but I'm still carrying it, and I can still pass it, and that's the problem, right? These guys are all double vaccinated because they're athletes and they eat well and they train well. They probably get no symptoms. They're probably not feeling any ill effects whatsoever, so they don't even think it doesn't even enter their mind that they might have something. And then when they do, it's like big shock. What the hell happened here? How this happened? Well, you've had it for three or four days already, possibly. And boom, you've given it to somebody else. And what was the old shampoo and so on and so on and so on? Was that a shampoo commercial or a soap commercial? And they'll tell two friends and they'll tell yeah. two friends and they'll get virus and give you this. <laughs> All right, enough on COVID, although that is the big story. But it's certainly disappointing. You know, they're, they're without some key guys. Connor Brown, one of the more key guys on the list. And Drake Batherson joined the list today. How good has he been playing this season? He's now got two four-point games on the year. And he's really now establishing himself as as the driver of that offense and his his absence was well noted today was it not yeah it's a shame right here's a here's a kid who's come along and, and to deal with he's deal with what he's had to deal with the last couple of days a really strong game yesterday my goodness he looked good i did I, slow down and look at the empty net goal that backhand the angle that he's at because he's a right shot on the left side the, the puck is below the bottom of the circle when he shoots that in on the backhand. Nice shot. Like a goal scorer's goal, even though it was an empty netter. You know, it's a goal scorer's goal. Um, it, so it's it kind of sucks that he's out. The power play got better. The power play looked good yesterday. He adds to that. And now, bang, shut down again. So hopefully 
Oh yeah, wait a minute. It's a week to ten days automatically, isn't it? I believe it's ten days. Yeah. yeah. God Almighty, that's just horrible, horrible. Although Stutzler looked good in his spot, had some shifts there. At least in the third period, Stutzler started getting shifts with Kachuk and, and Norris and looked good. He was their best player on the ice today. But I jumped ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's. Uh, I thought the game, the uh, game against Pittsburgh, that was, uh, you know. In the circumstances, any kind of win in the NHL, it's a good thing. Even though Crosby, Malkin, not not in the lineup, but uh, that that loss to Calgary, I got I got so many notes on Twitter about ah, oh, there's still the remarks about rebuilds and things like that. They're still in a rebuild. It's like, come on, they they had a short turnaround. They played on Saturday night, not even 24 hours later, and they get the news about Batherson, and it just I did not expect much from them today, and they weren't able to give very much. Um, what were your thoughts on the four uh, nothing loss to the Flames? A team that they, it's a team they had their number last year. You know, you hit the nail on the head. Like that's that's a tough ask. You 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 played last night and then have to play five o'clock the next day. Uh, yeah, okay, it's Calgary's on a three and four, but the off day was yesterday. Like Calgary played Thursday mm-hmm. night, Friday night. Toronto, Montreal had yesterday off, so they're sitting in Ottawa resting while you were playing last night. Um, so yeah, it was a tough ask and the lineup that was on the ice, let's face it, like, come on people, anybody who's critical of, of their performance today, thinking they, they should have done better needs to give their head a shake. You, you've got guys playing who have, well, you've got players who shouldn't even be in the lineup. Then you've got players in the lineup playing in slots where they shouldn't be playing, logging minutes. They shouldn't be logging. One of the nice positives was a guy like Igor Sokolov gets to come up and play and unlike if he call, gets called up when the normal lineups here, he doesn't. He's not playing third or fourth line. He was playing some big offensive minutes and and getting more and more power play time since his his first game there last week. Uh, it's a nice little benefit for him to get to play with offensive guys and be in a be in a top six role. I I, I liked watching him play today, but other than that, it's sorry, folks, too big of an ask. All right, this is the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. It is probably a bit of an ask, a big ask, for your vehicle to make it through another winter. If you're worried about that, drop into Jim K. Ford, your Ottawa-certified pre-owned Ford dealer, and they can help. They'll remove all the worries of a new certified. They'll remove all your worries with a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. Now that's peace of mind. Check out JimKFord.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. We'll talk a little bit more about Igor Sokolov. He has been a guy that has been noticeable out there. He's a bit lumbering in the skating side of things. I think when he gets up to speed, it's not that bad, but what a, maybe a little more on Igor Sokolov. He does. He, he reminds me, although he's, pro, he's he's two inches and probably 15 or 20 pounds heavier, he reminds me of a Phil Esposito. He's a right shot as opposed to a left, but he reminds me of a Phil Esposito, a big body guy who, in a, if this guy were playing in the 70s, look out, he'd be racking him up from three, four feet in front of the net all night long, hack, whack, whack, rebound scores. Uh, he reminds me more of an Esposito and, and watching him move around the ice. You know, some aircraft carriers are probably a little more agile when it comes to turning, but uh, but he does he does look like that. He's a big body presence on the ice, and and, and he's got a shot. He's got a finisher's touch. Um, yeah, hopefully, you know, one like I said, the one sweet spot here, the one bright spot in this whole whole COVID thing with the lineup problems is that he's going to get ice time in good minutes. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if he can 
you know, get, get a couple points. If you could have a one or two point game here in this stretch, score a goal, get a couple apples, and and then we could really see the, the confidence boost that would come from that would be would be something. It took what 14, 15 games for Tim Stutzla to finally get on the yeah. board. He did so in that win over Pittsburgh. And I don't know if you agree or not. Well, I, I actually I know you do because you you brought him up earlier in the program. Um like he had a I don't he, he almost had more of a take charge mentality. Like he was not a follower, not reading and reacting. He was driving the play. He was choosing to shoot rather than dish off. I saw a real spike in his confidence in that Calgary game, despite the result. He was asserting himself into the game, Steve. He was, right. a, he was a presence on the ice and uh, an emotional presence too, and not his normal emotion. He's, he seems to be more of an aw shucks, gee whiz, laughing and smiling kind of emotional guy, but he had a, he, he, it was like he had a burn in his saddle or whatever expression you want to use. He was a little more fired up for both weekend games, uh, as I said, I thought he was their best player on the Sunday game and had a strong game on Saturday. Um, nice to see. And maybe he's getting a little, you know, he was obviously upset, ticked off, pissed off, whatever, that he hadn't scored yet and kind of said maybe maybe there was a slight mental change, meant a change to his mental approach that, that was evident that you noticed, that I noticed, that I that most people should have noticed. I think everything is on the board right now as far as possibilities go. Would DJ Smith in these circumstances, and we'll talk about Shane Pinto in a moment, because, I mean, you're, you're going to have to do something. If Shane Pinto and Bruce Garriock mentioned on TSN that he thought there was a chance he might be out for the season with shoulder surgery, then you're going to have to do something. You're obviously going to have to do something, whether it's bring in a center and sacrifice a pretty big asset to bring one in. Um, would you experiment with that before you... To me, to me, even I think all bets are off now. If 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 that's something that is worth trying, then they should go ahead and do that. Are you still anti Tim Stutzla at center? I, I I think it's a last resort. I I really do. I just especially with this. Uh, do we call it a slump to start the season? You know, he hasn't been finishing. Is it something you want to tinker with and now add to it and say, okay, kid, we're going to move you to center? All the added responsibility. Who knows how he even does on face-offs to move him to center? That's the most basic part of playing center is the ability to win a face-off. And diesel coverage-wise, I just don't know. But now that he's played with a little bit of an edge in the last 48 hours, that would be required of him for down-low defense. You know, Maybe he can handle it, but I just – no, I don't want to see it. I think they're – who they play at center today? They got they got Nick Paul playing center now. You still got Norris around. You got Tierney. And then it was between – Oh, Agazino was up today, wasn't he? And you got Parker mm-hmm. Kelly. Surely he can play some center. Logan Shaw. There's guys there that can fill in. As long as there's still guys there, I think I think you need to leave him on the wing. I think I would try it. I mean, yeah. this is his last resorty as you get. <laughs> and I, I'd I'd experiment it with because there's nothing nothing to lose. And and maybe it's a case of maybe he feels more comfortable at C. Maybe he feels more confident at the center ice position. Um and I, and I look at sometimes things happen like you don't expect. Like Lassie Thompson, he was hallmarked for an entire season in Belleville. All of a sudden, he looks like a top four defenseman on this team. You know, <laughs> Philip Gustafson, he's come out of the blue, you know, late last season. All of a sudden, wasn't that great in Belleville, but all of a sudden in the NHL, he looks like their best option out there. And uh, you go back to even last year when uh, 
You brought in Artem Zub, only had to pay him a million bucks on a one-year deal, and you had him a healthy scratch on the taxi squad on opening night. And by midseason, he's one of your best defensemen. So I, I like to just see what things look like, that's all. And I'm not saying that I think it's necessarily going to work, but given the injury now to Shane Pinto, and let's talk about that now, you have to try something maybe that, I don't know, smacks of being desperate. What did you think of the Shane Pinto injury um, to get to re-injure that same shoulder on a face-off? Like, <laughs> my immediate thought is, what are you doing in that hockey game if that's even a possibility of happening? Yeah, like it was very, like, and it wasn't even the face-off. He was just lining up for the face-off. It's not like he overexerted himself winning a draw or battling for a loose puck on a draw. He didn't even take the damn face-off. He just pulled up well, lame and skated off the ice. Didn't they have a f- sort of a one-moment flinch, like yeah. a like kind of a false start? Yeah, okay. Like I don't, like it, was, it wasn't that he was just standing there. There was at least a yeah. lurch to, a lurch, to fight okay. for the puck. I'm just like, really? And, and that's got you out? So what are you even doing dressed in the first place if a little yeah. thing like that's going to cause you to leave the game? And not only it, 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 if it's as serious as, as Bruce Garriock said tonight on the, what do they call it, question period, he seems to think now he's out for the year. So if it was that serious, a little thing like that can take you out for the year, then why were you playing at all? And I hope it's not because of all this yeah. COVID stuff that they that they said, oh, we got to play him. I can't believe that to be the case. It, it I don't get it. Like you I know guys that. who, yeah, I know guys who had serious, serious shoulder problems and labrum problems and dislocations too many times, and it can take a long time to come back. But I just, as far as we know, this is the first one, so it shouldn't be the rest of the year. Like maybe he needs some surgery, tighten it up, and he's back in, I don't know, eight to ten weeks. But the rest of the season, wow, that would hurt. The Jim K. Ford Sends Nation Podcast. I want to talk about another kind of controversial name in the lineup, and that's Philip Gustafson. I'm not sure that uh, the brain trust has bought into him, but that that win over Pittsburgh, and I can't believe they didn't make him a game star. Not on NHL.com, not on the broadcast. Philip Gustafson, like erased so many boneheaded plays in the first period in that Pittsburgh game. Like he stemmed the tide. He kept that game winnable. And then finally the offense exploded in the second period for four goals en route to a six to three victory. Are they finally buying into Philip Gustafson as the best goalie in this organization right now? Do you think? Well, you you think so? Like, hello, here's the hammer to the head after after his what a week worth of performances here but why why didn't he start today like i don't get it's the back-to-back no but he's he's an american league goaltender he's used to playing back-to-back on the weekends that's a normal ahl weekend with a bus trip in between like come on he he's the he sorry you know i don't like forsberg i'm not a fan of forsberg's but there's no way he did. Can we blame today's game on, on Anton Forsberg? No, but could you say, Hey, he gave him a chance to win or Hey, remember that big save he made when the score was only two, nothing. No, there's no moments like that. He's just there. He doesn't give me confidence the way that Gus does. And Gus, although it ended kind of ugly with the third period on Saturday night, 
as you said, he was the star through two periods, or at least even through the first period even, just to keep them in the game and give them a chance to win and make a save when he's supposed to make a save. He is your number one goaltender. Statistically, emotionally, (laughs) any other Ali you want to come up with, he's your number one goalie. And they play better in front of him. They win more yeah. hockey games. His stats are better. And and I was surprised. I mean, I, again, I, I agree with you. The, the you know, Forsberg wasn't the reason they lost. We can say that about some Matt Murray games as well. I was at the game against LA on, I was at Thursday night now, I'm losing track of time. I think mm-hmm. it was Thursday night. And, yeah. and the Sens, I thought, I, honestly, of the three games since we last did an episode, I thought the game against LA was probably their best team performance. And it was just a couple of deflections that end up uh, getting past Gustafson. He has no chance on either of them. But I was thinking as I didn't do much social media because I was at the game, like I say, and I said, I put it out there. I said, I think right now, if you pull every guy on that Senator bench, everyone to a man would say that Gustafson should be their number one goalie because it does matter. I mean, everything you just talked about is bang on, but there's also the angle of some goalies, just make the team play a little bigger, a little better, and a little more confidently. And I'm sure you've seen that throughout your entire mm-hmm. coaching career. Yeah, and that's exactly what it, the scenario here. You're you're exactly right. I don't know that anybody in that on that roster in that dressing room would say, "Oh no, Matt Murray's our number one guy." Like no. And the organization has said we're going to go with the best. I don't remember the exact quote from DJ just back in training camp. Like basically it was who was ever the best is the one that's going to stay and the one that's going to play. And he was talking about all positions. I don't think he was, you know, alienating the goaltenders from that. He was probably more specifically talking about the D, but come on, he's proven it and he's here. And now's the time. Like, yes. Is it better for him long-term maybe to be in the American league? As I've, as I have said, prior in prior episodes but you're in a situation now where this is the national hockey league it's the best league in the world and we don't screw around and we need to win and wins are important and he's the guy that gives you the best chance to win so why isn't he playing again i don't remember contracts is what it comes down to um i think about that with eric brandstrom as well he's an easy guy to send down he doesn't have to clear waivers he can go up and down he's making two-way money But at some stage, you have to say, well, he's upgrading our top six. And unfortunately, since we last spoke, since our last episode, Eric Branstrom went down with a broken hand. And that's just terrible timing. And correct me if I'm wrong. It looked to me like the Sens were starting to finally embrace Branstrom as a guy who can regularly help them in the top six. He didn't look bad at all. And Lassie Thompson has looked good. And JBD has looked good. Uh, I agree it's early. Um, it's, it's too early for all of them to be here at the same time, but if they're, what's going to give you the better chance to win, then play them. Lassie Thompson, you mentioned, I mean, that's a bolt from the sky. I don't think anybody was, (laughs) as opposed to Brandstrom, who, who obviously comes in with the headlines. He was the guy they got for Mark Stone. He's a superstar. It's the best day of the team's life. Um, so he obviously was kicking up a lot more dust, but Lassie Thompson, was a number one draft pick and not last year, like two, three years ago now. And he has still not uh, made his way to the NHL just yet. And nobody was clamoring for him. Looked like he might spend the entire year in Belleville. So because of the weird circumstances, he gets an opportunity. I don't know about you, but I don't want to see him in the minors. 
again. <laughs> yeah, he's looked good. So yeah, you know, you're scrambling down there at Belleville. They're trying to sign players desperately needing to just ice a lineup because so many are out up here. But yeah, he, he uh, you know what? I'm okay if you send JBD down, even if you think Bernard Docker looks better and is the better long-term prospect. He's younger. Send him back down. Keep Lassie Thompson up here. I'm okay with that one. I thought JBD had a good moment in the loss to Calgary. There was a moment where basically he was the only guy back. It's in Ottawa's zone. One of the Calgary players is behind the Ottawa net, and there's a Calgary player out front, and you could see him take a take a sort of a one quick stride toward the skater and then decided, okay, I'm going to hang here because that guy's of no danger behind the net, and he made a really good, sensible, smart hockey play. You can see there's a player there. Uh, it may not be this year when all the smoke clears and everybody gets back, but I have a feeling that uh, this coming fall, in the fall of 2022, that guy is making this uh, this hockey club. For sure. If not before then, if not in, in January or February. We talked about this. When Sanderson comes up, you don't want to have all of them here fresh and new at the same time. Like if you wait and, and right. until Sanderson comes out of school and shows up in March and that's the same time you bring JBD in, uh-uh. Whoever you think is going to be here to start next season, let's get them up here before Sanderson, whether it's Thompson and or Bernard Docker, get them both in here in January and February and get them playing. And then Sanderson comes in and it's not three guys all trying to figure out how to play the game at the NHL level at the same time. All right. Next game is going to be on Tuesday yes. night and it will be in New Jersey. The Devils look like a team that seemed to have turn things around they've been uh, like an LA or like a Detroit or like a Buffalo they've all gotten off to good starts after having some miserable seasons in recent years so that's certainly not uh, going well let's be honest the Sens are half an American Hockey League team any opponent right now is going to be a big challenge for them but uh, I want to go back in the old history books and uh, bring a, a couple of names up and the Hockey Hall of Fame will be growing on Monday night and there's a couple of Ottawa Senators I want to talk about. In fact, a, an Ottawa player, Doug Wilson, there's a guy who waited 24 years to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, the former Ottawa 67's captain, longtime Chicago Blackhawks, still a San Jose Sharks general manager, who's done some very good things for the Ottawa Senators in recent years <laughs> in some of these deals. Uh, but the, the name I want to talk about is Marion Hosa and uh, revisiting history somewhat. What are your memories of Marion Hosa as an Ottawa Senator as he enters the Hockey Hall of Fame? I think there was a time when you could have argued that Marion Hosa might have been the best all-around player, or at least in the conversation, as the best all-around player in the NHL. I play on both sides of the puck, incredible speed, such a strong upper body, uh, an imagination with the puck, uh, great on the penalty kill, a power play option, obviously, Yes, you know, there were superstars of Crosby and et cetera around in the league at that time, but he would have been, should have been, and probably and was in the conversation as being an all-around, like just a just a two-way guy. You know, a Selkie co conversation, right? He's that kind of player. Uh, and definitely, in, in my mind, Hall of Famer, no questions asked. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. Yep. Certainly in hindsight, you look back at it and go, oh, that Heatley deal. Yeah. I, well, I might argue that if you don't make that trade, the Sens absolutely have won, have won a cup by now. Because wow. 
as as the folklore goes, that Marion Hosa was signed by John Muckler to a long-term contract, and then Muckler, within 24 hours of that, turned around immediately and sent him away to the Atlanta Thrashers for Danny Heatley. And there was, I think, Greg DeVries was involved in that deal somehow as well. Yes. And it's funny, at the time, Eugene Melnick was held in high regard because he had helped save the franchise buying the team. But that may have been one of the early examples of, oh my God, I, I got to pay Marion Hosa how much exactly for how many years? And so at that stage of the game, maybe that maybe that played into it. I don't know. But oh, that did. deal doesn't go down. Yeah. Well, Marion Hosa, if he stays and doesn't get treated like that, because, I mean, that's part of why they brought in the, the no-move clause to avoid oh. situations like that. If they treat him well and they keep him here, then Zdeno Charas doesn't have his nose at a joint, and he's probably a lot more agreeable a year or two later when he becomes a free agent. And so you have Chara and Hosa in exchange for Heatley. Um, the 2007 run was special, and Heatley was a massive part of that, but they could have been great for another freaking decade. Yes, Chara was. He did have his nose on a joint. was very upset with how his countryman, uh, Marion Hosa, was treated. But also, Chara wanted to be the number one guy, no question about it. I'm the main man. And at the time, the, the deals that were offered to both Redden and Char were the exact amount. I think it was 6.5 over five years or whatever, six years. They were both offered the exact same contract because even the team couldn't didn't want to differentiate between the two. But Char was kind of adamant, no, no, I want to be a, a notch above anyone and everyone. I want to be the number one guy. So that factored into his leaving as well. Plus, of course, he liked Peter Shirelli. He had a good relationship with Peter Shirelli, who had left to go to Boston. Whether there was tampering or not, who knows? But but yeah, you're right. He would have been in a better frame of mind to stay if Marion Hosa were still here. And that came down to a Muckler thing first. Muckler didn't want to pay him the money he wanted. They just got through arbitration. The amount was going to be this much. Oh, okay, then let's sign you to this much and this long, and then immediately deal him. I was... It was Muckler. As I don't know whether Muckler had his nose on a joint because of uh, direction from Melnick, or it was Melnick who said, get rid of him. I mean, that's like you said, it might have been the first sort of inkling of how things are going to look in the future here in Ottawa. Don't know how much of it was Muckler and how much of it was Melnick, but someday it'd be nice for somebody to write a book and if people are willing to, to share the, the truth of it all. No, I've heard three or four different versions of the story as to why Zidane O'Chara uh, moved on from the Ottawa Senators, uh, but we don't have time for them all. We should mention, <laughs> though, Daniel Alfredson. Is this the uh, you know is this the year? So they'll have the induction ceremonies on Monday, and we'll immediately turn our attention to all the snubs out there. And Daniel Alfredson has to be near the top. Although you've got starting this time next year, uh, it'll be the uh, let's see the Sedins and Roberto Luongo will be eligible. Yeah. So he's up against some good competition as well as the usual suspects as far as snubs go. Is this the year the Hall of Fame comes calling for Daniel Alfredson? You'd like to think so, but based on a little bit of chatter that uh, that I've heard that I'm sure you've heard as well coming out of the the discussions last year, he didn't seem to be on many people's radar there. And that that's a shame. And then when you stop and think about it, say, okay, yes, we believe he belongs to the Hall of Fame. Do we not believe the Sedins do as well? We probably do. And the Sedins mm -hmm. probably have a bit better resume. They've each got a heart and a and a uh, an Art Ross. To, so you, you've got 
Okay, so they probably belong in there ahead of him. That's what happens to these guys. That's why a Doug Wilson waits 24 years. <clears throat> because even though somebody thought he belonged there, every year there's somebody else that you think belongs there ahead of him. But, oh, yeah, we'll get him next time because this guy's ahead of him. So he doesn't get the votes. All right, let's call it quits right there. Don't forget that we have our website, SendsNationHockey.com. All kinds of cool stuff there. We've got the Sens Nation Journal with all the top Sens headlines and articles. We've got our YouTube channel where Greg and I react to stuff. Our Facebook group where you can mix it up with the Sens fans and uh, much, much more. So check it all out today, SensNationHockey.com. Well, uh, no travel this week? No BC travel or anything? You're just uh, <laughs> no, got a home. No. Homestand home coming week, up. Uh, yeah, we 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 were about an hour and a half away on Friday night, and we're home on Saturday night. And uh, a week of practices and CrossFit and yoga, and you know the usual. Got gotcha. Okay, we're going to publish next on Wednesday, so uh, keep an eye out for that. But thanks for being with us in this episode. Enjoy your day, and Greg, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Stevie. Talk to you. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.